0: are About to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening.
1: Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is. Today we are continuing our series about good conversations about money. Two episodes ago we were in the past. Last episode, we were looking at the present and how the decisions we make now will go on to affect our future. And now we are whizzing forward in our time machine to look at the future and how we interact with money in that context. And so Simon, when you think of the future, what is your big dream? What would you love to see happen?
0: I would love to see hoverboards like we had in Back to the Future. As a little boy growing up, that's what the future looked like for me, Bex, and it, it didn't happen. We've gone past Back to the Future Day. There's another future coming, and there might still be hoverboards. We never know. However, surely there's a bigger plan for the future than just that. I can answer that question a couple of different ways, I suppose. I absolutely have a, a dream, a hope, a plan for the future for my family, and that totally starts with relationship with Jesus. It is myself, my wife, and the three kids getting into and maintaining a love for Jesus. Nothing else really matters compared to that. It's so high up the priority list that when you put it in perspective, everything else seems a little bit inconsequential. But I do believe God gives us dreams for the future, plans, hopes, and he calls us actually to have some of those things. He wants us to be looking forward and trying to pursue more than just relationship with him. He's given us skills, abilities, resources, time to do things for him. So in my business, Stewardship Wealth, I have this, what we call a a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG, which is actually to build a church physically. I want to have the means through the company to go and either buy an existing building and renovate it or to start with a plot of land and build a church and then hand it over and say, hey, here, have a church building, go and worship God there and I know church isn't the building but I also know that churches need buildings so there's my goal I mean that might not be the one that takes me to the end of my life I'd like to do it before then if I can but it's a step
1: it is an amazing vision at this moment in time and who knows how the vision will expand after you meet that big here audacious goal of handing over a church to someone
0: you never know. There could be more than one in the end. Anyway, we'll start with one, but we should uh, turn the question on its head. Bex, what about you? What is your goal for God, shall we say, for the future?
1: Oh, That is such a good question. And I feel like, as ever with the Lord, it is an evolving thing where you're never quite sure where it's going or what your part to playing it is. But right now, I would say my big dream is for young people across Scotland to encounter Jesus to meet him for the first time to experience freedom and new life in him that goes on to shape their future decisions and their destinies and so actually then you have a whole generation of young people who are bringing the kingdom of God wherever they go, which feels bold in our office in church we've got a bit that's like our goal for Aberdeen, the Shire, and then just Scotland. That's what we believe that the Lord has asked us to set our eyes on.
0: See, that's such a better goal than mine of just building a church. It's it's deeply exciting. And in fact, it reminds me of something I come back to now and again when I think about young people, young adults, certainly. There was a time in the past when Billy Graham didn't know Jesus. And somebody one day took the time and the effort and that step of faith almost to say to him, hey, Billy, do you want to come and listen to someone talk about Jesus? And whoever that person was, I know their name is in history somewhere. What an amazing person who brought Billy Graham to the Lord, who then went on to touch the lives of hundreds of millions of people. Bex, you could be that person who introduces a kingdom changer to the world. Very exciting vision.
1: And maybe your church is the place where they get to deepen their relationship with Jesus, where they have a safe space to process things and where they encounter God in a way that gives them dreams that shapes their life. So they both work together beautifully
0: well enough of this self-congratulatory talk about (laughs) our own futures this is a faith and finance podcast we should get on topic here beck so how are we going to bring our visions for the future and the visions for the future that some and one day i hope all of our listeners have into the context of the financial world their finances
1: a vision without a plan is really just a dream it's pie in the sky And really, there's nothing that grounds it and that helps us move towards it. Whereas when we actually put practical steps around it, it becomes more of a vision and something that we can work towards in a really tangible way. And I think really practically, our money is key in that. So for instance, if one of my big dreams in life is to have a home where I can welcome people in, where I can sit with them, where I can have conversations about Jesus, then that's never going to happen if I don't take steps towards renting or owning a home where that is going to be possible. So I think today we almost want to flip the whole question on its head and think, what do we see in the future? And how can we take steps now, practically, with our money that brings us closer to that?
0: Yeah, that reminds me of an account I once heard of. A gentleman, and much like yourself, Bex, he was passionate about bringing and leading young people to the Lord and then journeying with them. And so one of the things that he did was, when he came to buy a new car, well, he didn't actually buy a new car. He bought a second-hand car. And then he got it insured for any driver, which is quite a rare thing to do. You know, it's expensive. You go from your third party fire and theft to your fully comprehensive and to then put anybody on the policy got really expensive. But his heart was that I want one day to let young people use my car to learn to drive. And I can journey with them physically. But because we're part of the church community, I'm going to have them in this car. We can talk about Jesus as we're doing this thing. And I was really inspired by that. He didn't just go with, you know what, I'm going to buy a car that I need for my purposes and get the insurance that I need. No, I'm going to buy a car that meets the need of the kingdom in a very unusual and specific way. And like you said, maybe you want to buy a house or rent a house that doesn't just meet your needs, it meets a kingdom need. And if we can approach some of our decisions and our transactions when it comes to money with that future mindset, I need something that does this, then we get a very different outcome than I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to buy a car. Oh, what am I going to do with it now? We have a vision and we almost pull it into the future. It's like we're standing today in the present but with our minds fully fixed on what the future might look like.
1: I think I find it really helpful to think of having one foot, as you say, in our present reality and one foot in eternity and straddling those two realities and trying to bring more of eternity into our present However, immediately for me, one of the things that comes to mind is how do we balance them? And there's two words we talk about a lot on this podcast. We talk about stewardship, which for me really encapsulates looking after the resources God has given us and using them really well. And sometimes that involves saving them or putting them towards something in the future. And generosity which has been extravagant. It's giving things away. And so how do we balance those two things to meet our current needs and our current reality but also to take steps towards those big kingdom dreams?
0: What first comes to mind, Bex? Actually, it's the parable of the rich young ruler and how in this account that's recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke, that's right, but not in John. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus with a really spiritual question. What must I do to inherit the kingdom? Give me the answer, Jesus. I want the big theological piece. Yeah, Jesus gives him the answer of obey the commandments. Oh, I've done that. What else is there? Ah, there's one more thing. Give everything away. Sell it. Give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And the rich young ruler couldn't do that. And what I take from that, or one of the messages I take from that, is that God looked at his heart and recognized that the issue for that particular young man was money, perhaps as a means of identity or of self-worth, or his God, perhaps. And that was a thing that God wanted him to break free from. But we don't get that story repeated time and time again in the Bible. Jesus doesn't say to all of his disciples, sell everything. He does say, come follow me. We know there was a group of women who supported Jesus through his ministry, so they didn't sell everything, but they did from time to time. And in Acts, there were moments when people would sell something and bring it to the disciples. So what I feel is that God gives each of us a different call when it comes to stewardship and generosity. It's not universal. There are some people where God says, give it all up, go on mission, You know, take a job that pays a low salary, serve that group of people. There are others where God pretty much says, Just go make the money and then hand it over and the church is going to use it. So I think we actually have to find out for ourselves where on that continuum of call we find ourselves, which is both terrifying and exciting.
1: And I suppose it's just being continually open-handed about that and almost laying everything in front of Jesus and saying, what would you like me to do with it? And I know sometimes I find that really challenging, being a small business owner, it can be really exciting. And there are so many things in that that the Lord has allowed me to do. So there's a flexibility with my time that there wouldn't be if I was in a more traditional employment. And that's also allowed me to work a day a week for my local church. But also I know that sometimes I can be almost prideful in it and I can enjoy looking almost at what I've built and knowing that I have made the decisions that have allowed me to have a business or feeling a sense of pride of being able to accomplish that And so it's a constant thing of saying, Lord, do you still want me to be here? And actually more recently, sometimes having a bit of a strop about it and feeling confirmation that that is where God wants me to be right now. But it's a continual dialogue. And I think sometimes it's almost when we take God out of that conversation that it can become a little bit problematic for us.
0: Yeah, it does run the risk. You might have a really godly vision and you're convinced it's the right thing to do, So you pursue the vision and you kind of leave God behind. So although you started off on the right track, you might end up getting there with the wrong motivation, the wrong objectives. And so you're right, holding things lightly, taking God's call on your life, seeking it, it's hard to do. What is the future you have for me, Lord? And how do I get there? But then continually saying, is it still the right thing? Now, We've spoken in the past, Bex, about, well, how do you do that? You know, I wake up this morning. Oh, good morning, Lord. What's the plan for today? Should I put socks on today or no socks? Oh, it is a sock day. Off I go then. Is it a day of brushing my teeth, Lord? I hope every day is a brushing your teeth day. The Lord has eventually taught me that. That's right, Bex. But there are other things where I have to make decisions every day. And I want to submit those to God. I think sometimes he says, use your wisdom. Use the Holy Spirit's prompting within you to guide you such that you're making good choices. You're not asking me every moment of every day, but be aware. I might want to steer you on a different track. Although God can give us a glimpse of the future, my belief is he doesn't always take us there directly. Sometimes he doesn't because it's a difficult journey. Sometimes he needs to take us around and about. Like the Israelites traveling through the desert, it wasn't straight. He had to teach them on the way. He teaches us. And sometimes the journey is far too scary. He gives us glimpses of what's next, but not what the true future holds. But if we can be open eyes and say, God, I want to serve you. How do I use my wealth, my time, my skills, my resources? But it's hard to do that today, Bex. How do we turn those future visions into decisions for today?
1: I think, as you said, it's about submitting that to God. It's about asking for his prompting and it's being faithful in that. And so, for instance, maybe for someone that is a case of they need further training in a particular field in order to do what they think the Lord has called them to do. And so maybe that looks really practically like setting aside 10 pounds, 20 pounds a week to save towards these fees for whatever training that is. Now, that's not to say the Lord won't meet you in that, that he won't provide through other people as well. But I think sometimes it's really easy, I find it anyway, to think, oh, if God really wants me to do that, he'll provide for me. And maybe actually the provision is to come from myself as well as perhaps from other people.
0: Isn't that a similar picture for the whole church sometimes? You know, if God's going to bless this ministry, he will miraculously make all the money appear that we need and all the people and all the resources. Instead of us recognizing, actually he's put me in this church, in this congregation, in this group of people, he's changing my heart that I'm the person who will serve on the team, commit the time, bring the resource, speak to my neighbors, put my hands in my pocket and actually pay some of the cost. It's through us that he changes the world. What a privilege to be in that position.
1: Absolutely. And one of my favorite things is actually watching when a team member decides to invest some of their time and some of their money. So maybe it's to go to a weekend away or to our summer camp and it is a sacrifice but what they experience in that time, the way they see young people encounter Jesus, the way they themselves encounter Jesus, so often it actually changes people's heart. And they're maybe not just a youth team member anymore, but now they're an ambassador and they're an advocate and they can't wait to tell people about what happens. And that only happens when we invest our own resources, both in terms of financial resources, but also our own time and skills as well.
0: I wonder, Bex, if you've ever had this experience where you turn up the calendar for next week and you suddenly realize, oh, I'm so busy. I've got that commitment and I've got that meeting and i decided to do that thing and I promised I would do that as well. And you suddenly realize in the moment, you're overcommitted almost. Well, I wish I didn't have that thing and I would happily spend the time elsewhere. And you think back to the previous version of you that said yes in the moment. Yes, I'll help with that because it's really far away. I think sometimes I've had to learn the lesson, even though I can be enthusiastic about doing things, is it something that God has called me to do? It may be a good thing, but is it a God thing? And to be honest, it may even be a God thing, but is it the thing that God wants me to do in those weeks or months in the future?
1: Yep. That feels like a very accurate representation of my brain sometimes, particularly that question of Is it a good thing or actually is this what God's calling me to do? And I heard someone frame it much more bluntly than that. And they said to me, Bex, are you actually robbing someone of what God is asking them to do by filling in the gaps? Which is a really scary thing as well because you think, oh goodness, I mean, obviously if I don't do it, the whole thing's going to fall apart because how could the Lord possibly do it without me? But time and time again, it seems that things happen without me, that I am dispensable. And it's not that that then excuses me from playing my part, but it's also making room for other people and actually maybe sometimes people who feel a little bit reluctant or who maybe need a bit of extra encouragement and really discerning, Lord, what are you asking me to do right now? What can only
0: I do? I work with a small team of people here in my business and I look to the future and think to myself, I want them to be better equipped, more skilled, more confident, more rounded people. If I did all the work and never gave them the chance to learn, to make mistakes, to fail, but also to realize that they can do it. They can improve. They can take on some of those difficult challenges that maybe I just do naturally. I've been doing it for 20, 25 years. And so only by handing on the baton to somebody who potentially isn't as good as you yet, do we create this kingdom growth. We want our young people in the church. We want our families in the church. To be honest, I want everybody in the church to always be looking at progressing. So right, Bex, I could do this thing, but actually, maybe there's somebody else out there that I could come alongside, journey with, and then hand the baton over to. Even financially, I want to come and serve in a ministry. But sometimes the right thing is to say, I've been giving to this cause of my time, my effort, my money. I'm going to start pulling away because God's calling me elsewhere. Actually, it's quite hard to do that, especially when you've committed up front. Yeah, I'll support that. So one of my suggestions when we're talking about making commitments, including commitments of money, is agree up front how long for. Yes, I'm going to support you in that ministry. I'm going to journey with you for a period of, well, is it six months? Is it two years? And at the end of that, we will readdress the relationship but there's no commitment beyond that. That actually frees us up to journey onto the next stage of our relationship with God and with people. Does that make any sense?
1: That's brilliant. And it really highlights the fact that the decisions we make now will dictate our framework and possibilities in the future. And so to take this down to a really practical financial level... Let's say there's someone listening who has a dream from God, an idea, a vision, a sense of call on their life, and they know that this is going to cost them financially, whether that's for resources, whether that's saving towards something, how can we begin to take those first few steps? Maybe particularly at the very start of this dream where we're not sure, but how can we steward our money and save effectively that allows us to take those baby steps towards that big dream?
0: We've talked a bit about this in the past in a more human, practical sense. You want to buy a house in the future. Having that goal in your mind helps you set money aside today that you might otherwise spend on clothes or holidays or whatever it is. It's only by knowing what really matters to you that you begin to allocate your resources accordingly. I think it's a journey that all Christians go on and probably come back to repeatedly, Am I allocating my resources? Am I putting my money, not where my mouth is, but where my heart is? If we have a good understanding of what God is calling us to do personally in the future, or quite possibly the group that we're part of, whether it's a ministry or a church congregation, it's easier for us to say, I am behind that, not just with my prayers, not just with my time, but also with my money. Because you know what? It's not my money. This is the moment when I think God is telling me, Simon, see that job I gave you, see that income I gave you, see that gift that came to you through some means. I gave it to you for this purpose. Now it's time to put it to work. That's the stewardship coming out, but it's also so many parables of putting our resources to work. And we get to journey with God and look back and go, God, thank you so much for letting me be a part of that thing. But if we don't have a future vision of what it is God's calling us to, then our money just kind of gets used.
1: And one thing that I found really helpful in all of that, particularly actually if you're not entirely sure what that future vision could be, is using the pot or envelope function that you get in some banking apps. You can research and find out which banking apps those are. To actually set aside money on a monthly basis that I know that I'm going to give away but I don't know where I'm going to give it away to. And I love telling people about this, not because I want to show off and say, hey, look at what I'm doing. You should be really impressed by that. But actually, because it sparks excitement in people, they begin to think, wow, maybe I could build a little pot of money that one day I'm going to give away to someone and I don't even know who that is. But one day the Holy Spirit is going to prompt me about a particular cause or a particular person or you know, somebody's car breaks down and they need it repaired and I could be part of that solution. And so that is one really practical step that I've found helpful. Simon, do you have any practical top tips?
0: You spoke earlier, Bex, about when you realize God is calling you to do something in the future and you have to start working out how to set money aside for the ministry, for the resources. One of the things that we're absolutely called to do is work in a team. It's the reason why Jesus had his 12 disciples he had his inner three he had the wider 72 and he shared the ministry with them it's actually quite dangerous sometimes for us to work by ourselves in something god's called us to and therefore you have to tell people and one of the things that we can do is almost say look i think god is calling me to do a thing but i'm not really great at managing money so what i've done is i've started putting money aside on a regular basis so that i can build up that pot don't be proud about it be humble about it I don't have the means, but I'm working towards them. Like you say, capture people's enthusiasm and excitement towards the ministry. You might find people say, that's really interesting. That's similar to what God's telling me to do. Or they might be a bit ahead of you. I've been saving up this money for the right cause. And I think God is telling me you are the right cause. And suddenly we have this virtuous spiral of enthusiasm. I think God's asking me to give. He's confirmed it by either giving me a cause or someone comes alongside and says, I want to join you. And then we begin to share more widely about the grace of giving, the joy of generosity. we well, like that, the joy of generosity. It's great fun to give when you're giving to the right thing, not out of spiritual egotism, which could certainly be very dangerous.
1: And I think as well, as you begin to talk about your vision, sometimes as you bring other people into that conversation, that can help fine-tune that and shape that as well. But often as well, it's like this spark that you put into the room and suddenly it catches on fire in other people. And now it's not just you carrying this vision, but it's other people carrying it with you. And whether that's them supporting you financially, through prayer, through being people on your team who will help you make that happen... Things change when we bring
0: it to community and when we journey that together. I want to drop in a couple of practical suggestions, Bex. I imagine there's people listening today and thinking, I don't really have a clear vision for the future. Or I actually haven't got any spare money right now. All I can do is get by and and nothing more. If it's the first point, if you're struggling to find the cause or the purpose that God is calling you to, I think it's totally okay to get behind somebody else's cause. Not everybody is called to be a leader of their own God-given ministry, but everybody is called to be a supporter, whether of somebody else's ministry or the thing that God's calling them to do. So if you're not sure yourself, talk to people, find out what motivates them, get alongside and get behind them, support them, because they are needing the encouragement as well. So that's the vision side of things. In terms of the money side of things, your vision for the future might be, you know what, I would just love to be financially stable. I would love to get rid of some of those debts that are unmanageable. I would love to be able to give more generously. There's this phrase that I've heard repeatedly, and I think it really applies sometimes. You might think, I want to give, I just find it really hard. So maybe your heart isn't really in it yet. You don't really want to give, but you want to want to give. You're kind of putting it before God. God, could you help me to want to give to you? Even small amounts, the widow's mite, the two little coins she put in, made a massive difference in God's kingdom and in God's economy. We can give a small amount now. We can also make good financial decisions today so that we have the resources freed up in the future to do more of what God is calling us to.
1: Wherever we are in that spectrum, whether we are just starting out or whether we are looking to give even larger amounts of money away. I think the way we talk about our money and what we're doing with it can help others step into the call God has for their lives. And actually by modeling that, by encouraging others, by cheering each other on, by being accountable actually, when it does get really hard and it's a real sacrifice to put that money aside, we can help each of us get a bigger vision of God's kingdom and how he wants us to use our resources. And so I think I'm going to wrap up our conversation on how our awareness of the future can influence our conversations about money. Simon, is there
0: anything else you want to throw in? What we've established, Bex, is that sometimes these conversations about money are quite hard to have. It's not usual to have these kind of conversations. It's one of the reasons we're doing it on the podcast at the moment. So for those listening, think to yourself, Who might I be able to have those conversations with? Who are those people around me who inspire me, who seem to have some plan in their lives, some purpose, some vision of the future, a God-given dream? Get alongside those kind of people. Ask them questions. Ask them tough questions about money. And you can support them and they can support you in that journey. It's something that God really cares about. Let's make ourselves more accountable to each other let's enjoy the journey it's not ours it's god's resources given to us and all we have to do is decide where to put it
1: absolutely and if you have tough questions you want to ask simon about money uh you can reach both of us at where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or on instagram at where your treasure is podcast we would love
0: to hear from you We do love a difficult question. We might just send one back in return. But thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode when we're going to talk a bit about overcoming the challenges of financial conversations. Thank you for me and goodbye.
1: See you then. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.